This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. He is not human. He is like a machine. Making more podcasts than you've ever seen. Now he's finally back for more interviews. I hope you missed him because he sure missed you. It's the Tarrant Show. Hello everyone and welcome to the Terran Show. This week I have another great guest because of course they're all great. But uh, I am going to be talking this week to Gabby from Survivor, David vs. Goliath. Um, Gabby is, uh, is really great. She, uh, she's played some among us slash goose goose duck with us for a little while. Um, and, uh, and has always been so fun to play with, so fun to talk to. So, uh, I had, I, it was really great to get the opportunity to really like sit down with her one-on-one, um, and, uh, and, and just chat with her about, uh, about all kinds of interesting things. And I genuinely was uh, was very, very interested in uh, in a topic that she brings up at the end of the conversation. So uh, check out the uh, the conversation here. Thank you for uh, for for coming in. And uh, yeah, enjoy Gabby. How are you doing, Gabby? I'm doing well. Thanks. I'm doing great. How about you? I'm doing well. Very, very pleased to be talking with you. Uh, we've we've played a lot of uh, like Among Us and Goose Goose Duck on the on the weekends, but I feel like we haven't had a chance to really like chat. Yeah, this is like the first time we're talking one on one. I love it. Well, we met in person briefly once, mm-hmm. but this will be like probably our longest one on one conversation. <laughs> That is not revolving around like murder and betrayal ever. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, it does. It does feel weird sometimes to only have interactions with people when I'm often either trying to catch them in a lie or lying to them. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's like not the healthiest way to start a relationship. <laughs> Probably not with a friend like, yeah, accusing them of of murder mm. on an online game. Yeah. It's fun, though. It is very fun. Yeah. I. Uh, so, Gabby, you uh, you were on Survivor. Um, you now uh, you you do stream on Twitch, right? Like you um, you stream these games, yeah, infrequently, but I do. Uh, do you do anything? Do you do any other streams uh, other than the the Goose Goose Duck stuff? I occasionally get on there, and I so I love video games, which is like the main reason I decided to start streaming because I wanted an excuse to play games again. I grew up playing mm-hmm. games and everything like that. Um, so when I do get on there in between all my other life responsibilities, I play like 
puzzle and strategy to no one's surprise strategy games and things like that. So, um, yeah, I've always been someone that loves games and like immersive experiences and puzzles and things like that. So I guess it's it's not really a surprise that I went and played Survivor (laughs) knowing that now. But it's still very much a part of my life, like games and riddles and thinking and puzzles. I love it all. Yeah. Uh, What what are some of your favorite uh, games to play? Oh gosh, I should have been prepared for for this question. But um so the the most classic game that I feel like got me into these types of games like puzzles and and story and adventure was a series called Monkey Island. Have you ever mm-hmm. heard of it? Yeah. Yeah, I played that when I was like 10 years old and Loved it. It's like a point and click mm-hmm. adventure game where you're kind of putting pieces of puzzles together and figuring out what, who, you know, who you need to talk to or what items you need to use to progress in the game. And it's very funny. And yeah, I actually just saw that they're coming out with a new one this year. Oh, so boy. I definitely will have to get online and play that. Um, and then I just I like searching for like just indie games that have good reviews. I'm never the first one to play a game, but mm. I always go off of, you know, people I trust and what games they are saying are like beautiful or fun or have a good story. And sometimes like the best games have cost, you know, two dollars and they're like maybe an hour long. But the story or the puzzles or whatever in it were super captivating. And mm. I love that. Yeah, I remember. Um, I remember playing Braid uh, a while ago and feeling like. I don't know if I uh, played that. You haven't played. You should play Braid. It's it's very good. Um, it's it plays with like a you control time a little bit uh, to solve the puzzles. Um, and after I played that game, I was like, I was on such a, like an indie puzzle game kick. Uh, but nice. nothing else really scratched the itch quite as much as Braid did. Um, I think there was, yeah, a, I'll have to check that out. Yeah. Um, there was another one though, um, that I, I don't remember the name of it now. I think it was the same people that eventually made inside. Um, there was like a, a kid in a black and white. I don't know. Uh, that was another good one though. I guess there are a bunch that I don't know. I'm not like, like I said, I'm never the first one to know about things, but I guess I'm also, it sounds like maybe I'm the last to know about things. <laughs> yeah. But sometimes, I mean, uh, you know, I think, uh, I've always come like in and out of like the video game, uh, sort of sphere. Yeah. Uh, in terms of knowledge sometimes. No, I have to, I have to. Yeah. Like sometimes, you know what you're talking about and then sometimes you're like, what is that? What are you talking oh about? yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm very much still, still a casual gamer, but I, I enjoy it. Always looking for recommendations. So I'm going to check out braid after this. Mm, there you go. Um, there you go. So, uh, so you've always been a fan of games. Was, uh, did you like, I know for me when I grew up and I got into games, um, I sort of like discovered video games in a weird way where like, uh, you know, I, my, one of my mom's like boyfriends, like had a bunch of like computers and like, Game Boys, uh, and yeah. I ended up playing the Game Boy with uh, with his son, um, and that introduced me to video games, and and I fell in love. How how did you like uh, discover the uh, the video games? Yeah, I think it was something similar. Okay, so I actually my first memory would be like when I was a kid, and I would play educational video mm-hmm. games, and of course I was such a nerd that I loved them. 
And so it would be like jump start or um, putt putt and all of those kind of, again, puzzles or Carmen San Diego. Mm-hmm. They'd have trivia or like typing, like reader rabbit. And I think that's why I'm such a fast typist now. <laughs> um, and I had the same experience though with my dad where he would play games. Like I remember he played Baldur's Gate and Diablo mm. and games like that. And I would like sit in the computer room with him like, you know, on his lap or on a chair near him and just like watch him play. And um, that's, I think, why yeah, the other genre of games that I like is very much like RPG storytelling, like nerdy stuff. So mm-hmm. I think that's where it came from. Yeah, remember computer rooms? Like you yes. need a whole room for a computer. Yeah, yeah, and you would like gather around the one computer. <laughs> it was so great. I would go to this community center. I don't mm-hmm. even remember... And they had the Sims and that would be like a meetup for me and my friends. It would be like, do you want to meet at the computer room in whatever community center and play the Sims for four hours? And we would. And it was great. I, I remember when I was a kid, my my mom was like house sitting for a friend of hers and they had a computer in a computer room. And I was like, oh, my God. And I literally uh, spent like an entire week just like live like uh awake and asleep at the computer playing um runescape uh yeah oh my gosh okay i was a big neopets person yes and oh my gosh i remember waking up at this is so embarrassing but like 4 a.m because i wanted to get on before you know my my parents got up or whatever and i would set myself an alarm to get up at 4 a.m and like play neopets for three hours before anyone else was awake so that i was guaranteed computer time like this is very telling of of i guess why we spend so much time on the computer now (laughs) It started at a very early age. Yeah, I remember Neopets. Neopets was uh, the the game I fell in love with. The Neopets was uh, I think they called it Bluff. Um, yeah, but it's it's called BS. like it's called BS in in real life. Uh, but it's like a kids game, so they called it Bluff. I loved. I played that constantly. I didn't even know it was like a real card game until much later. Yeah, and then you see it in real life, and you're like, oh, it's like the Neopets game. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh yeah. man. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's wild now that uh, it's just like it's everywhere, like uh, computers everywhere, phones everywhere. Yeah, we have tiny computers in our pockets and it's yeah, it's not just like a computer room anymore. I have like two laptops and my phone and a Kindle and I can just be online at any time, anywhere. I kind of miss those days of like you had to get online. You had to wait. You had to wait for the dial up. <laughs> and it like very much that was the original screen time limiter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And you couldn't make a photo. Oh, we're just really going to, you know, this we're is such just an doing the like, podcast. Oh, yeah. Uh, Back in my day. <laughs> you couldn't you couldn't use the phone. When you were online, it would it Classic. would jam up the phone line. Wow, just reminiscent. <laughs> I feel like most people who are listening are probably. I mean, like I don't know what's your what's your viewership like? Today? I feel you like I feel like most people are are with us here. I'm sure yeah. there are some young people that are like, "What?" I mean, I'm sure they've heard all the stories too. They've heard all this. We're just yeah, we're getting to that age now where we're like, "Wow, back in my day, <laughs> yeah." Get the AOL discs in the mail. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's so it's so weird because you you don't really experience change in the moment. Um, but then when you think back to just like how rapidly things have developed in the last like twenty years, it's like uh, it's pretty wild. So true. So true. 
Yeah. So, um, you, uh, I know for me when I was, when I was young and I got into like computer games and, uh, stuff like that, like it, it, it like took over my life. Like I was super deep into it for a long time. Did you ever like get that deep into it or was it just kind of like, uh, an interest of yours? I mean, I feel like waking up at 4am is is a little bit of that. Um, but I feel like I was always like, um, even as a kid creating or like I wanted to be creating, Mm -hmm. like even on Neopets, I was less into the flash games, although I was into that. And I was very into like creating my own web page and creating, Mm. you could create guilds and you could um, create incentives for people to join guilds and you could create a layout. And like, I basically taught myself how to very, you know, uh, basic, but code and HTML and CSS as like a 12 year old, because I wanted to like make my layout pretty on Neopets. And so I feel like I don't actually know if my parents knew how much I was on the internet, but I feel like if they did have an inkling, it would maybe have been okay because I was always like learning and producing. I don't think I I never fell into the thing of like, you know, people who play world of Warcraft for like a hundred hours a week and leave their child starving in the Mm. next room or whatever. Yeah. That was a big, that was a big thing back in the day. The world of Warcraft left their kids starving story. (laughs) Yes. I'm so glad you knew what I was talking about. Like that was a real thing that happened. (laughs) Oh man, uh, a lot of my friends in like middle school and high school were so deep into World of Warcraft and I never got into it and it was the yeah. bane of my existence because like they they'd start talking about it and I'd have zero input and I'd be I'd just be like, "All right, come on, guys." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all all of those games. I never really got into like the the massive multiplayer online role-playing games. Like, I think I'm too much of a control freak where I'm like, no, no, I want the game to go how I want it to go. Mm. I don't want, I don't want my game to be up to you. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I I got really into Halo. That was, that was like the, the big one for me for a Uh, while. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I definitely played that too. Yeah. Uh, cause it was like, that was the, you know, the, the dawn of Xbox live was, uh, was big for me. And I had a bunch of friends on Xbox live. We played Halo together. Right. Were they friends that you had in real life or they were friends you made on Xbox? They Live? were friends I made on Xbox Live because I, I, I got Xbox Live like long before anybody like I knew in, in my town got Xbox Live. So like I was the only one on wow. there for a long time. And I like I, I remember like I made a friend who like lived in California. I made a friend who lived in Russia. Um, Whoa. And uh, like I like we would just like hang out and chat uh, and <laughs> to play Halo. Aww. Yeah, that's so cool. I know. I that's great. Wow. The Internet. What a wild place. Yeah, it was still worldwide web. It was still, uh, you know, a, a dark place. Uh, there were lots of. <laughs> inappropriate yeah. things for a child to be experiencing at the time. But. <laughs> yeah. I know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What are you going to do? What um, are you going to do? Just experience <laughs> way more than a 12 year old ever should online. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know what we were up to. Probably things we should not have been up to. Mm, yeah. Uh, well, um, so did, 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 did this, uh, like did this love of games and computers uh like how did that follow you throughout your your uh your childhood did it did it go anywhere did you like want to study any of it or anything like that well i think i was always a pretty techie person because of that cuz i like i said i would like teach myself how to code little things and 
it ended up being what I did for a little bit where after I graduated college, I was a technical writer. So I worked for a software company and I wrote literally like instructions on how to use our software, Mm -hmm. which is about as exciting as it sounds. Um, But I think I've always been technically minded in that way. And um, games, I feel like has, has come about in so many different ways. Probably the most notable being going and playing a real life game like survivor um, yeah. And then, and now, now I'm doing my PhD in like relationships and all of it feels like a giant puzzle to me. Like, I honestly mm. feel like the thread that threads everything together is my love for puzzles. And that's where like the technical side comes in where it's like figuring out how to code or how to do this. And that's where the games come in where it's like, well, what's the best strategy or what's the puzzle in this game? And that's why I'm now pursuing research because it's basically one big puzzle of like, how does the world work? How do people work? How do people interact? And I feel like I just get such a kick out of investigating things that don't have a clear answer. And like the creativity, I think that games and puzzles allow is full of endless possibilities and it's very very appealing to me yeah i mean that's i mean that's exactly like how i always saw you know that's why i got into big brother it's like um i was always fascinated with um you know uh, just the the different ways that people interacted the psychology of it the uh the social component of uh of of some of these games and um, I always did. I always did look at it as a, like a, a puzzle as well. Like I wanted to figure people out um, and sort of like the joke of this podcast is that I'm a, a robot, you know, discovering. Oh, I know. Humanity, right? <laughs> uh, so, um, yeah, I mean, that's 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 super interesting. So like what what was it that um, like what was the moment where you decided like that's that's the direction you wanted to go and, and study and like, uh, uh, you know, spend spend your life doing It was very recently. Um, So for context, I'm in my first year of my PhD program right now. Um, And I think it was actually after Survivor that I started thinking about relationships in this more like mechanical scientific way, where same as you had always been something that had interested me. Like I was a fan of all these reality shows before I applied. So I think that I had that intrinsic interest and like, wow, why are people doing that? Why, why are they acting that way? Why does one situation lead to one person act a certain way and not another? And, um, I always was somebody that was like obsessed with, you know, self-help books or, um, you know, like faux science, pseudoscience personality tests. Cause I think I was always trying to crack the code of like, but why am I this way? And why are they that way? And it wasn't until I came back from Survivor, which had been this like really intense, cool, again, like puzzle experience, experiment, social observation, everything. And that I started to think like, this is very interesting to me in a way that technical writing is not. Um, Technical writing, I think, scratched the itch of like, I enjoy being a communicator. I enjoy learning things. But I felt like I wasn't producing anything. And like I said before, even with the Neopets, I've always been someone that craved producing. And um, it's like in technical writing, you're very much transforming somebody else's knowledge into easily digestible content. But I wanted to be the one answering the questions and thinking of questions and figuring out how to answer it. 
And so after I played Survivor, I going back to the job, of course, I think this happens with a lot of after these big experiences, like it felt mundane, it felt uninteresting. And obviously knowing that like you can't um, you play Survivor as a living. I mean, maybe some some people can, but not I. Um, it was like, well, what about it was interesting? And it really was the relationships. And I talked to a mentor and friend of mine, somebody I went to undergrad with, um, Jennifer Hirsch, who it weirdly is also connected to people here in the RHAP universe. She's like friends with Liana in in New Haven. And it's like, it's all very cool. Everyone (laughs) is a fan of everything. Um, And she uh, is a lecturer and and got her PhD in relationships in social psychology. And I had known that she had done that. And she had invited me to talk at Yale just about my experience on Survivor. And in coming up with the talk, I kept going back to like even just the Psych 101 classes that I had taken in undergrad where I was like, all these concepts about like how people act in groups and how people's emotions come up and how um, gender roles work and things like that. That ended up being what my kind of presentation on my experience on Survivor was about. And after the talk, I was talking to Jen. She's like, you know, this is like a field that people study and this is a job that you can do in real life. And it's not just like this abstract thing that you're interested in uh, on Survivor or whatever. It's like this is people do research on these things. And it, it like opened my eyes, I think, to the fact that I could study these things that I'm interested in in a scientific way. And I could kind of be a person that was solving these puzzles that have always interested in me. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's amazing. So, uh, so you decided at that point you wanted to, um, go, go Change back. my entire career. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so I wasn't even a psych major in undergrad. That's the wildest part. I was, it was related. I was a linguistics major mm-hmm. and I was a professional writing major and I'd taken psychology classes and I had worked in a, in a psychology research lab, although it was a language acquisition lab because of linguistics. And um, this was during the pandemic that I really started having these conversations uh, with Jen and started auditing classes on my own to see if it was something I would really want to do and started attending lab meetings and things like that to see if like, you know, it wasn't some lofty ideal. It was actually something I'd want to do on my day to day. And it was. And I applied and like, amazingly, I got in and the rest is history, a.k.a. one year ago. I, <laughs> you know, I'm now in this program and I I love it. I'm really, really happy that I made the change. Mm-hmm. And I think I felt a lot of apprehension as well about making a career change quote unquote, later in my life, like, geez, I was 28, you you know, when I decided to do this, I'm 29 right now. Um, And I felt like that was really late to start something new, especially something that takes five years, like at least five years as a PhD program. And I kind of just thought to myself, like, you know what? It's like, even if I don't do this program, five years is going to pass. Like in five years, I will be 33 years old. I will either not have a PhD (laughs) and not be doing this like career that I'm potentially interested in. Or I will like it's like it's the five years are going to pass. Might as well try doing something that is more interesting to me than what I had been doing at the time. And you know, it was, it was a risk, but I'm really glad that I took it. 
Yeah. Um, I mean, that's, that's definitely, uh, you know, I, I, I feel like, um, a, a huge theme of these interviews is that, uh, people, the people that I talk to are often willing to make those jumps. And I'm assuming it's because I'm talking to people who already made a jump and went on a show, uh, which is a pretty <laughs> wild decision in the first place. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it is a little bit of like a self-selecting group. Of- yeah. Yeah, I mean, and I do think that that emboldened me to some extent, the fact that this all happened after Survivor. And it was sort of like, oh, my gosh, so what? Like, mm-hmm. so what? You take the chance. And when I applied to be on Survivor, it was like, well, this is this is crazy. I wonder what's going to happen. And then I did it. And you don't know what's going to happen in the game. And you don't know what's going to happen after the game. And I definitely think being in that momentum of, like, embracing life's uncertainties and, like, the fun of it. Because really, it's like it is fun. I mean, you can I think you can get so scared by the riskiness and the and the fear of it all that we forget that life is like you. It's so corny. It's like you have one shot. And so it's like, just just do it. It's like it's fun. It's wacky. Just just why not be wacky and crazy and silly and goofy and go get a Ph.D.? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So so random of me to just get a a Ph.D. Uh, Goofy mode. Yeah. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo Concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Um, what, what is it that, that inspired you to uh, apply for Survivor in the first place? I'm, apart from, I'm sure, just enjoying the show. Yeah, being a fan of the show. And then I think, I don't know, uh, us people that apply, it's like there's something in us where when we watch it, you know, I wa- I do wonder, it's like, what is the difference between someone like you who like watches every season of Big Brother, <laughs> like analyzes all the strategy reports on it, and then someone like me who does that and is like, okay, now I want to do that. <laughs> like probably narcissism or something, <laughs> but... Uh, but like, that's what it was, was being obsessed with the strategy and then going like, OK, my turn. I want to try it now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and just thinking it looked fun and exciting and like thinking, well, I could do that. Yeah, why not? I could do that. And uh, <laughs> that's really pretty much all it was. Like, I really didn't care about being on TV or anything like that. I think I just wanted to like play the game just straight up. I was like, 
this is a cool game. Like I'm always the person getting people together for game nights. Like I'm always the person that wants to play a board game. Like I said, wants to play a video game. And it's like, this is the most extreme version of like, yeah, I want to play this game. I just want to go and play that game. Mm. I've always wondered with, with, especially with survivor, like I, cause yeah, I think especially like a lot of the people I'm talking to, they are, they're a fan of the game. They're a fan of the strategy. Um, but there's also the angle of I because I think how I would see it is like, OK, if I did apply for Survivor, I'd think a lot about the strategy. I think about all that stuff. And then when it came to actually going it'd be like, OK, I'm going to have to confront the fact that like I'm about to live in a on a beach for, you know, 39 days now shorter um, and have limited food and it's going to be uncomfortable. Like wh- how when did like those uh, that aspect of it like kick in for you to be like, oh, this might be annoying. <laughs> annoying that's such a funny this is this is mildly inconvenient yeah um no i think that was part of the draw yeah. i think um it's like wow i wonder if i can do this and mm-hmm. thinking i think i could do this and it, knowing that you would never put yourself in such an uncomfortable position unless it was sort of organized by this giant Mm. corporation that was putting together this game show. It's like playing games with your friends. I'm a very competitive person, but like the stakes are not really that real. So you can kind of let go of consequences. I mean, I personally cannot, but, um, (laughs) but like normal people can. And with survivor, it's like you're in this artificial world that other people have put, you know, it's like you're in a giant escape room or something, except there's like, actual consequences and money and a prize that like you can't replicate. And I have so much respect and like love for the creativity and everything of all like the fan survivor games, whether it's like online or on a college campus and things like that. But I don't think anything can replicate the scale of like, okay, I'm going to be stranded on an Island, you know, by this like multi-billion dollar company (laughs) that is like, has all these doctors and shit watching me and is putting together these challenges and like i'm totally at their whim and like i don't know somehow that's a weird like attractive part of it right it's and it's like losing control i guess in that way and be a willing participant of this thing that is bigger than you and that Mm. you can't control and that um you have to just go along with you know a monster one might call it jeff Mm. probes might call it a monster and um yeah i what was the original question i don't even know i think all of it like the absurdity of it is what drew me to it where yeah. it's like you can't replicate starving even on a camping trip with your friends because you know in the back of your head like well i could always like go and drive to the shop and get myself a candy bar but this was very like the immersiveness of it and the realism of it is it's like living in a fantasy world i guess a little bit yeah well it's 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 very much vibes of like um like aliens running experiments on humans, right? Like when you talk <laughs> yeah. about like a big, like multi-million corporation, or whatever, uh, like stranding on an island, it does. It very much feels like, uh, like do, do you do you ever feel like you're just a guinea pig? Uh, you're just being <laughs> tested on at some point. Yeah, I feel definitely. I mean, it's like you're being filmed in all hours and you definitely start to feel like like a subject. Yeah, there's like walkie talkies where they're like, Gabby is going to the beach now. (laughs) Gabby is walking back from camp and you're like, oh, I'm like a celebrity. But it's honestly more like I'm a guinea pig. (laughs) You're being studied. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Now you're about to study. Yeah. Now I get to be the the person that is studying people. So I I like being on both sides. This, this one, I get to have a bit more control, but I think it was a challenge for me as like a control freak to 
let go of control and play this wild game. Yeah. Uh, what what specifically did you find challenging in terms of like playing the game? I think the disconnect between being a fan and thinking you know everything mm. and thinking you would be so good at the strategy and then being out there and being like, oh, I know nothing and I don't know how to play this game. Um, I mean, I know how to play the game, but you, you, you just... The difference, I think, between having that sort of omniscient view versus the paranoia of the game um, was, I think, hard as a fan to wrap my head around. Like, I think in theory, of course, I understood that that would be the case. But in reality, I was like, oh, no, am I bad at this? Like, what's happening? What do I believe? And uh, yeah, I think, honestly, that was the hardest part. Yeah. Uh, what was it like coming home, uh, and waiting for, uh, the show to air? Um, like, cause I, I imagine, I mean, you just went through this massive thing. Like I, when I create something and I haven't released it yet, I'm like, nobody knows. Like, uh, but this <laughs> is, I've got a thing. Um, this is like a major life event. It's just potentially changed who you are as a person Um, and you're just kind of like in limbo waiting for it to air. You don't know how you'll be portrayed. Like, what is that like? Yeah. I remember sitting at the pool, like I was at my mom's house and sitting at the, she lives in Florida. So there was a pool that like the days after I came back and feeling so weird in that exact way that you just described where everyone was just like splashing around and having fun. And in my head, I was like, I have this entire story, like this huge story that's going to be on national TV, like in my head. And I know all of the things that happened and like, I feel fundamentally different as a person. And like, I'm just sitting here in my swimsuit by the pool (laughs) watching like kids splash around. Like it felt so surreal. And I think life felt very mundane afterwards because um, it just felt like everything we did in the game was so big and so important. And of course it isn't in the grand scheme of things. And I think that's why it takes time away from the game to kind of move on from it. Because in those few weeks, it is the center of the universe. And like I said, walkie talkies going, Gabby's walking down the beach. It's like every little thing you do is so important that it feels like when you come back and nobody knows what, what you just went through, everything felt very small. And I remember thinking everything felt boring and mundane and conversations had no real consequences, which of course is all false. Like, of course they do. You know, I'm still building relationships Mm and, and living life. And I was still working my job, but it just felt like everything on survivor, every piece of minutia, like could change the course of, you know, your next few days or your fate in the game. So I think that was the biggest adjustment period was just being like, okay, yeah, um, real life is like kind of boring, but that's also the beauty of it is you're not starved. You're not stressed perpetually, like relearning to appreciate, I guess, the mundane things. And um, the wait for it to air was pretty much as you described, like definitely nerve wracking. And I think a lot of time spent with castmates and friends that I had made making our predictions about who would be edited in what way and what would be shown and what I, we hoped they sh- sh- would show. And um, I don't ultimately think I was like super surprised by anything. And actually I think the thing I was most surprised by was that like, I was kind of a big character on our season. Cause I didn't think that I was <laughs> no, <laughs> no, 
I remember telling Christian specifically, he was the person I definitely talked to most after our season being like, oh, you're going to be, you know, like the fan favorite. You're going to be edited like amazing. You're going to be so lovable. Everyone's going to love you. And I'm going to be like your sidekick. And like, I'm barely going to be shown. And then like in episode one, you know, we're shown as these like two close allies. And I was like, oh, shoot, I guess they are going to show me. And then like, yeah, I just I just really didn't think they would show me. Um, And I knew that if they did show me, I knew I'd be shown crying a lot. I knew I'd be shown (laughs) as emotional. So I knew all those things. But I guess I just didn't know like what a a character, what my place was in the story besides like my relationship to Christian, which of course was a main focus of it. But I was just like, I mean, I was honestly really pleasantly surprised. I was happy. I was ultimately happy with it all. Yeah. I I mean, I feel like that's the the opposite expectation that most people have uh, coming off of a season is the <laughs> most people have the main character yeah. syndrome. <laughs> yeah, I think I mean, I feel like it's pretty indicative of like my personality and especially my self-esteem at the time, which I feel like I have pretty high self-esteem now. But like I was 25 and I think definitely, you know, had lower self-esteem and had imposter syndrome and things like that, just like in general where I was like, I thought I I had fun and played a good game, but I just assumed, and especially I think being such a big fan where I was like, well, the story's not mine. I know I didn't win. The story's not mine. I knew Christian would be a fan favorite. So I just figured like by order, you know, of elimination, like, oh, you know, I I won't be that big of a deal. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, I guess maybe it's better to go in with lower expectations and then be surprised when you do when you are shown on the show, but I will say, I think like the saving grace was at least that I definitely knew they would show me as crying and emotional. So like that was never a surprise, but it was just like funny to have to see it where I was like, Oh yep. Yeah, there it is. (laughs) Was that, was it, uh, did it make you like, Oh man, uh, we're show we're seeing this now again. Like, uh, (laughs) was it uncomfortable? Okay, so this is the weird thing. I think my attitude on it has changed over the years Mm -hmm. where I think at the time I was just so comfortable with myself and knew that about myself that I and and I felt so close to the experience that it was not uncomfortable for me to watch Mm because I think I'm a very like literal person too, where I was like, I can be a bit of a robot sometimes too, where I'm like, yes, that's literally what happened. Of course they showed that. I wasn't upset by it because I was like, yes, I remember that happening. I was pretty sure that they would show me crying Mm -hmm. in this, this, in this circumstance, because I knew that it was relevant to, you know, the, the plot of the season. And I think only with time now, like four years later, do I look back on it. And now I feel a little embarrassment and it comes from not like an embarrassment of showing vulnerability or anything like that. But I think I've something that I've just worked on in the past several years are just like my emotion regulation skills. And, you know, I think I was very defensive at the time about like, you know, this is how I am. This is I just wear my emotions on my sleeve and it's how I am. And like it was. And I think that's why I was fine with it because in a way I was defensive of like, you know, this is how I am. You have to accept me. And I think as I've gotten older and matured, I've learned things about that experience as well, where it's like, yes, of course it's okay to be vulnerable. And I'm not saying that you should hold it in, but it's also valuable for me as a human being to learn emotion regulation skills of like not getting upset or angry in front of everyone or, um, 
you know, I mean, I'm not even just talking about crying, but I'm talking mm-hmm. about, you know, feeling irritated at people and things like that. And it's like, it's always been something that I've been working on is that I'm, I'm a little bit of an emotionally reactive person. And it's, it's like something that I can defend because I think it's like a part of me and I don't think it's something to be ashamed of, but I think as I've gotten older, I can also acknowledge like, you know, we all have things we can work on. And I think if I had played when I was a little bit more older and had more of those emotion regulation skills, I might've come across a little more even evenly measured, Um, which is not to say that I would have never cried or been emotional, but it just might not have been like every episode, every other episode. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, that's another thing that, uh, that people deal with when they, they come on shows like this is that like, um, to the sort of general population who watch survivor and don't know you personally, um, like in their eyes, that's who you are like that. Like, right. Like whether they watched it, you know, years ago or they just watched it like this is that's Gabby. Um, and, you know, obviously they don't know the, in the different ways that you've like grown and changed since then. Um, do you ever have trouble with that uh, sort of like dichotomy of having to deal with old perceptions of you versus who you are now? Definitely. Yeah. I think that's really well put. And I feel like, That's also part of my like, as I become further from it, I think I'm seeing more now what other people saw of me Yeah. where like, if I can try to explain this, it's like after I was on Survivor, I was kind of like, what? Why are people seeing me in this way? Because I was thinking of like my whole experience. It's almost like I was forgetting what they were not seeing. Yeah. So I was like, well, obviously you should know that I'm not constantly crying. And now I'm like, well, why would they have known that? Because they only knew me from the show. Um, so I think it was more like at the time, the disconnect between like all my, how my friends knew me and how I knew myself and how the fans were seeing me. Like, I think maybe I wasn't even being sympathetic to how the fans were seeing me. Um, and now again that I'm removed from it, it's like, I can see, honestly, I haven't watched it since then, but I wonder if I would watch it now. And I, I think I do, I do think about this because starting my PhD program, like I've had friends in my program say like, Oh, I watched your season on survivor. Like, but like after meeting me yeah, and I'll be like, no, <laughs> don't do that. And now I have to counter this, uh, you know, perception. This is my I'm trying to make a first impression on you. And that's going to be your first impression. Whereas before, and I I think I had it twisted where it was like, well, all my friends knew who I was. And the TV show was like, haha, look at this like Mm. wacky snapshot of who I am, like future looking almost right where it's like, look at this cool thing I did or, or in the present. And it's it's a snapshot. And now that it's in the past, that's the disconnect that feels a little bit weird to me that now that it's in my past i'm like that's a weird snapshot it's like as if you had one home video of you for as a child and it was sort of the the most intense highlights and that was the only home video that you could show people or that was the first one that they saw or something like that that. if you met them they would look it up online and watch that (laughs) home video yeah like your most like i don't know embarrassing or whatever like home video So I think it's like, it's a bit more unnerving now than it was back then because I am now more cognizant of like the lack of context that people have. Mm -hmm. Uh, Whereas when it was airing as I was that same age and same personality that I was, it was like, yeah, this is a part of me. Ha hearty har. 
And now it is like, this is a weird like blast from the past. And it's still very much me. But I do think, you know, I've grown and learned a lot from it. And I also like I've just processed so much of it that it, it, it's a bit weird now, I think, when people watch my season and then they have questions about it. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I don't know. That was four years ago. I don't I don't know what I was thinking back then. Like, yeah, like I told the story so many times in my head. It's mm-hmm. probably just a reconstructed memory at this point of like the way that I've told the story, like yeah. as opposed to what I was thinking in that moment. Like I've I've post hoc justified it so much, like after the fact that now I'm like I don't really remember. <laughs> well, yeah, and I'm I'm sure like in some ways like it's more important to them now than than it is to right, to you, right? Like like they, they're in the moment of like I. I just watched this and I care deeply about this. And you're like, what was that again? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I mean, it's also, it's, it's not a big deal to me. And I think a lot of people, you know what the weird thing is that I've noticed is I think people think I'm going to be more embarrassed about it than I actually am. Mm. And so I think sometimes people tiptoe around it and they're like, Oh, we don't have to talk about it if you don't want. And I'm like, it's really fine. Like it was four years ago and like I've processed it. And I can laugh about it and I am proud of it. And I, you know, I have all these feelings towards it where like, it's what it's, it is what you said. Like they're more uh, concerned about tiptoeing around it or, Mm -hmm. and it's like a big deal to them. And I'm like, Oh yeah, that was like a wacky thing I did when I was 25. (laughs) (laughs) Well, uh, how, how was, so you, I mean, you talked a bit about the, the response that you got, um, you know, that, I mean, obviously something that's uh, a big thing that the people contend with when they come on a show like this, uh, is that, you know, the response is always pretty overwhelming sort of regardless of the, you know, whether it's positive, negative, or, you know, in somewhere in the middle, it's still just like a lot of eyes on you. It's a lot of people trying to engage with you. Um, how, how did you handle it at the time? Not well, probably. <laughs> yeah. It was very overwhelming as a 25 year old. And I am like deeply concerned for like the 21 and 22 year olds that go on now. Like I'm seeing current survivor players tweeting like, well, maybe now I can focus on my assignments now that I've gotten voted off. And I'm like, dear Lord, you have assignments to hand in. Like, please get your degree. Like at least I was just, you know, like working on the computer at my tech writing job all day Um, because it's wildly distracting. It's unnerving. It's unnatural. And I feel like I did not know what to do with it for a long time. And I still fluctuate in not knowing what to do with it, where I have this like leftover, you know, 20 or 22, 24,000 followers or whatever on Instagram from like a thing that I did forever ago that are still on my Instagram. And like there came a certain point where I became overwhelmed by it that I just like stopped posting or I we, I would like randomly go on private because I was just like, uh, I don't know how to deal with this. I just don't want this but I can't start over and I guess I could just delete the whole thing, but then it feels weird because I'm connected to people on there. And what if I want to use it in the future, you know, as a researcher trying to reach out to people and it's such a hard balance to strike. And I think even four years later, I don't know what to make of it except to say that I'm, I'm happy with the, the amount of attention I get now, which is very little. And I think, I think that's where I'm meant to be. I don't actually, I used to always think of myself as a very attention seeking person. (laughs) Like I've always been, you know, an entertainer. And I was like very much the child that would put on a one girl show for my parents. And I was like, you know, I would 
be in high school plays and things like that. And like, I don't, I'm an extrovert, but as I've gotten older, I think I have become more and more turned off by the idea of like always performing for others. And I've been seeking ways to like be authentic and be myself and have fun online and in person and whatever spheres I run in and have the mentality. Like if you, if you like it, you like it. And if you, if you want to be friends with me, then you can. And if you don't, then you don't. And I think it's been freeing to not kind of give into that people pleasing um, temptation. I think that sometimes the amount of, of eyes on you, I think I was very concerned with like, what do people think of me? And am I saying the right thing? And am I being funny enough? And it's like, I'm a people pleaser at heart. And as I've gotten older, I've gotten to let go of some of that and realize that like, honestly, the only person I really need to please is myself. And I need to be a good friend and family member and um, community member. But like, I, I don't need to be this like commodity out there for everyone to consume that is going to appeal to everyone because it's just like so much work. And I, it felt unnatural and I didn't like it. And it made me anxious every time I said something or posted something. It's like, and, and once I let go of that, I feel like I became much happier, like both in my life and on in the online spheres. What, what are some of the ways that you um, like went about doing that? Like letting go of that? Um, that's a good question. I think it just I weaned off over time. Like, I think I just used to, especially after survivor where it was like, I was posting every week, you know, being like, here's my picture from this week, from this episode. And then after that, it was almost like, I felt like I had to keep up the momentum, like for no particular reason, just like, here's what I did this week. Here's a photo of me. Here's, and now I'm just sort of like, I just forget to post pictures most of the time. I think like the past couple of pictures that I posted have been, you know, like me at a friend's wedding or something like it's still a highlight reel. It's still fun to, I guess, keep people updated. Um, and by people, I mean, like, you know, actual people that I'm connected mm-hmm. with. And it just so happens that there's this like extra sphere of people on the Internet that are connected with me. And I think that that's really cool. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't know the specific ways in which I let it go other than maybe just time passing and maturing in my own right of being like, you're not going to please everybody all of the time. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, uh, I feel like that's, that's sort of like where I've, where I've been with it. And the thing, the thing is that I feel like I've, I've sort of been that way for a long time where it's like, I, I, I can't, I, I'm so bad at posting pictures of myself uh, that, but I, I've like tried to go in the other direction. I've tried to, because like I'm in this world, I've tried yeah. to like push myself when I sort of like think about just who I am and, and who I want to be. It's like, I don't really know that that's who I'd want to be anyway. Um, and that's when I feel the most just like, yeah, you know, I, I'm, 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 I'm very happy with where I am. Like, I don't need to be trying to be something I'm not. Yeah, that's, that's a really good point. The best place to be is when you reach this sort of like homeostasis of like, feel like I'm being challenged. I feel like I'm, I'm being myself and I'm being authentic and the people who have stuck around are people who get that and appreciate Mm -hmm. that. But it's like not feeling like you have to be on the hamster wheel of like always trying to create a brand or be this type of person. It's like, just let it evolve naturally. And I think you can still be ambitious and um, creative and all, you know, all of these things that especially you with like your profession basically of being in these fears and being 
out there. Um, it's still valuable. I think so long as you are enjoying yourself and feeling mm-hmm. like you're being authentic and it's not feeling like some chore or that you're putting on a mask every day. Um, and yeah, just finding the level I think that works for you. And I think that's what it was, was after survivor. It felt like too much, like yeah. it was just too much. I don't think I was being inauthentic, but I felt, I think I was burning out. It was like, wait, I don't actually have to be a public person all of the time. I can just be a normal person. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so you're, you're currently getting the PhD. Um, it's going to take another four years now. At least. Yeah. <laughs> maybe more. <laughs> What's the maybe more? What, what, what happens uh, if it takes more? It's basically like, you know, by your, by your fourth, fifth year, you start working on your dissertation project. And so you're, you're doing research and you're kind of hoping that it comes together in this, in this story and this Mm. new thing that you're trying to argue is, you know, a, a new thing that you've learned about science and in my case, psychology. And so it really depends on how your studies and your research and your experiments and things like that, like pan out. And if the data, like, says anything and whether you're able to sort of form everything together into a cohesive story. So yeah, there's definitely people that I know that take six or seven years just because that's how long their research projects are taking or, you know, they didn't get the data that they needed. So it's a little bit unpredictable. My goal will be for five years, but you know, no shame if it takes longer because it's, um, it's about the process and the um, willpower, I think, to stick through the PhD is yeah. what I've heard. It's like anyone can get a PhD. It's just are you going to stick through it mm. with this amount of willpower for this many years to finish your projects? Yeah. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Well, so like what are the logistics of going to school for a PhD at, you know, 28? Um, like, like how, how does that even work? Like, are you, uh, do you still yeah. work? Oh, no, I it? know. Like, like- they provided me a walker and, and like, they, like I, yeah, I have like a dictionary of translating to Gen Z lingo. Um, no, actually a lot of people that go to grad school, like there's a wide range of ages. I think I'm the oldest in my cohort. So the people that started the PhD at the same time as me, but there are people who are a year younger than me or or there are people straight out of undergrad. And I think um, actually it was a plus for me to go back older. And that's what my, I think my advisor was actually drawn to me uh, because I was older because I very much view grad school as like a job. And so 
Yeah. And for, for a bit more of the logistics for people who don't understand like what a PhD program is, because I definitely didn't. It's like you don't have to already have your master's to go and do it. So I'm actually going to earn my master's en route to the PhD. So like by year two, I should have my master's. Um, and it's it's like a job, like your main job is that you are conducting research. And in the first few years, you're sort of more of a trainee and you're taking classes to learn how to do the statistics and learn how to do the research methods while doing projects that at the beginning are more, you know, hand holdy, where they're kind of helping you do the statistics and set up the studies and stuff. And the idea is that by the end of it, you're running your own studies and developing your own line of research and things like that. So I think the misconception that some people have about a PhD is like, well, it's just going to be undergrad 2.0. Like, I'm just here to take classes and I'm like learning. And it is, like I said, it is a little bit of classes, but the focus is much more on the research. So in that way, I think coming in older has been a benefit because I have experience like working at a job, having deadlines, striking up my own work-life balance, knowing how to communicate clearly in meetings or in presentations or over email. God, this is so boring. I'm hearing it come out of my mouth and I'm like, this is so boring. But so it's really not a detriment to me, I think, coming in at 28, even though, like I said, I think I was a little bit self-conscious about it. I was like, mm-hmm. I'm going to be the old. But um, it's really not been that noticeable. And if anything, I think it's just like I'm so happy to be going in with way more confidence, I think, than I ever had at 22. Yeah, I mean, I, I've always sort of felt like... um I feel like I would be able to enjoy college more, enjoy like learning more now than I did when I was younger, because it would be first of all, it would be more of a choice uh, of yeah. mine rather than just like, I think this is what I'm supposed to do. Um, and I like sort of understand more. I think the value of it having existed in the real world now. Um, but it, like my, my, and it's something that I feel like I, I want to like keep in the back of my mind, you know, for the potential future, like yeah. uh, who knows how long podcasting lasts, but like, I've always felt like, uh, like, how do you, like, how do you go, how do you take that time of your life now that you've been making money, working a job for so long? Like, how do you get back to that point in your life where like, you know, when I went to college, I was either living in the dorms or like in a studio apartment, um, like, uh, cause you're not like making as much as you would have before. Like, it just seems like such a difficult leap to make. Yeah, it was. And I was I was nervous about that, too, going from making like a software tech job industry, which pays very job that pays very well to basically making I will say my stipend is twenty thousand dollars. Like that's how much money I make a year. Mm. And it's a massive cut from my previous job. Um, and I think I'm actually in the fortunate position to have been work, ha- have, having had worked that job and mm-hmm. having the, that saving yeah. that people like coming straight out of undergrad don't have. So it's probably like, it's, it's either way you look at it. I guess if you come in from undergrad and you're not used to having money, you're like, oh, well, more of the same. And now I'm like, well, at least I have a safety net. True, yeah. It's been surprising how much, uh, how quickly I adjusted to living at a lower cost of living and like realizing just how much less I need and not spending so indiscriminately. And um, yeah, it's, it's honestly been not as bad as I would, was worried it would be. And I think it speaks to what you were saying about like, I genuinely just enjoy it. Mm. And to me, the trade-off even in the salary 
versus like my enjoyment of my day to day and my interest in what I'm learning and doing and the projects that I'm taking on is worth it to me. Like it's, it's priceless. And the hope is that after this, I will be on track to do something that I am way more interested in and I can make that salary again. And that's fine. But it's like, I think it put into perspective how unimportant money is, which is, you know, it's a cliche, but of course, while you're making money, you're like, this is very nice. (laughs) But having less money now, I'm like, I'm actually doing fine. Um, And again, speaking from an immense place of privilege, having savings and things like that. But it's nice. It's like that age old question. It's like, would you do what you love if it Mm. paid less? Or would you do it if it were free? Like, okay, free. I don't know. But (laughs) There is a certain tipping point or whatever where it's like the interest in the thing is intrinsically motivating enough to make up for any material goods lost. And like I said, like, you know, I'm happy to be doing this at 28. Like, I think you could do it at any age, which is the really cool thing. Um, Although, of course, you know, like it takes a long time. So that's that's the one factor. But you know, I don't have kids. Um, I've got my two cats, but so right now I'm like kind of free to do that and live modestly. Yeah. So, uh, so what is, do you have like a, a a goal at the end of this, like a specific kind of, um, thing that you're, that you can envision yourself doing, or is it a little more general? Like, um, you know, you know, the general fields, the sort of like general kind of thing you want to do, but you're not sure exactly what it looks like yet. Yeah, I think it's more of the latter, which might be a completely unhinged thing to say after saying, like, I'm going to spend five (laughs) years at the age of 28 doing a PhD. I don't know what I'm going to do after it. But I think the reason I say that is because I don't want to be too rigid in terms Mm -hmm. of like some people are like, I want to be a professor and I want to stay in academia and I want to become a researcher and a professor of psychology after this. That's sort of the straightforward path. And of course, I will keep that open. But also, I know now, having worked in a, in the outside world for six years before this, is that a lot of, can change in that time, meaning my interests, my passion, I mean, my living situation, my family, you know, just your priorities can change in terms of, will I still like doing research like four years from now? Like the goal is yes, because you want to finish your PhD, but like, will I like it so much that I will want to do it every single day for the rest of my life? Do I want to be a professor who is like writing grants to get money from the government every single year? Like, I don't know. It kind of sounds like being an adult with forever homework. Like, I don't know if I want homework forever, but what I do know is that I want the skills that this training program offers, which would allow one to become a professor or allow one to become a researcher, or become a data analyst or become a uh, manager of, you know, whatever, <laughs> knowing how people work and knowing how to analyze data. Like regardless of what I end up doing, I know that I want to be using the skills that I'm that I'm learning right now because it scratches my brain in the right way. It's challenging enough. And I think ultimately, like, I just want to be doing these puzzles forever. And like puzzles can take many different forms. And I just know that I want to be someone that works on puzzles and uses these skills. Yeah. Also, like, uh, like what what's an example of uh, a role that you might take on once you have the PA? Just like uh, to give people an yeah. idea of like what the where you're going, I guess. Yeah. So I'm in social psychology and my focus is on relationships. 
Um, so I think like the ultimate super cool thing would be to, you know, like work for some organization. I don't even know if it, if it exists that figures out, um, you know, and to clarify too, I'm not going to be a relationships therapist. So I'm not going to be someone who's actually counseling people, but figuring out what makes people tick. And so that could be anything from figuring out how people act in organizations. So that could be something like you're working for a company and you're giving them advice on how to do, you know, diversity initiatives or how managers can work with people better or um, so that's sort of organizational behavioral, that sort of a field. Um, And then I know there's also things like the dating app hinge has its own research lab where they figure out like what makes people like each other Mm -hmm. on these dating apps, what type of people are drawn to each other and how do we design our app to foster these connections between people Um, And those are all very, you know, technical and literal. And then I also know people who go on to use their PhD and work at, you know, a um, a nonprofit and they are analyzing data to say what type of people should we, um, you know, what policies should we enact in order to make sure that, you know, whatever this diversity initiative is fulfilled or this uh, that these underserviced populations have access to resources. Like, so even though I'm studying relationships, if you think about what relationships are, it's a very wide ranging thing. It can mean between two people, which is sort of my focus, but social psychology in general looks at things like diversity and group dynamics. And um, these are, those are all things I'm interested in. I'm, I'm also like doing some research right now on social media and um, parasocial relationships. So like I could definitely see a link between, you know, like what you do and I casually do on Twitch and like what makes people tune into these things? Why are people following you? Why are people following you, Taryn? Mm -hmm. Like, why are they signing on to watch you live play a game? Like they're developing a relationship with you. And I'm sure there are people out there who are, doing research on like how, how and why people form these relationships, you know, either on the research side. And then of course people try to monetize that where, where they're like, well, now that we know how people do it, how can we get them to give us more money? Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, that's, I mean, that's the thing about the, the parasocial relationships is that, um, that it, it does often feel exploitative. Uh, like what kind of um, uh, sort of research have you, have you done into it? Yeah. So there's a lot of research out there, not that I've done that Mm -hmm. talk about the benefits of parasocial relationships for the fans, for the people who have the parasocial relationships. And it actually, a lot of research shows that it does provide belonging needs. So we as human beings have a need to belong. It's just, it's one of our fundamental needs. We crave social connection. We crave acceptance. We crave belonging And we fulfill that in many different ways from close relationships in person, uh, family, friends, acquaintances, minor, you know, contacts at work, things like that. But also recently people have looked at non-traditional strategies such as watching TV, Mm -hmm. eating comfort food, um, reading a book. Those things as well can provide belonging needs where you feel like you feel like you belong in this world. I'm watching Gilmore Girls and like, I feel less lonely because I'm like in Stars Hollow. And people have looked at parasocial relationships in this through this lens as well to say that people who have parasocial relationships with a celebrity or with some target out there, 
they know that it's not a real relationship. They know that it's a one-sided relationship, but it still provides belonging needs. It still provides that sort of boost and and buffer against loneliness that real relationships do, which is fascinating, right? That's fascinating that even though you know it's not a real relationship, it still helps. And part of the reason is because there's a lower risk of rejection with a parasocial relationship. So, you know, if I really love Paul Rudd, which I do, <laughs> um, I, I enjoy that parasocial relationship. I enjoy listening to it when he's on podcasts and things like that because he can't reject me. Yeah. If I meet him in real life, Paul Rudd could reject me and that hurts. And that's the scary thing about real life relationships. And so that's what feels good about parasocial relationships is you feel like you get to know someone and you get those social belonging benefits without necessarily the risk of like that person turning you down. And um, what's interesting is that we don't know that much about parasocial relationships on the other side. So like, I'm kind of curious what you think about that too. Like as someone who I'm sure you're aware that like you have fans, you have viewers on your Twitch stream. How do you think about that in terms of like knowing that people might have a parasocial relationship to you, what do you, what do you think about that? I mean, I, I think that, I mean, everything you're saying is super fascinating to me. It's, it's, a, it's obviously a topic I'm interested in. Um, I mean, it's, it's something that I've always felt, um, like wary of because, because I feel like a lot of the discourse, at least in the public discourse on parasocial relationships is focusing on the exploitative nature of it. And I've never wanted to like ever veer into that territory to like make people feel like they had a relationship with me and therefore give me money. Um, so uh, I've always tried to like very focus uh, heavily focus on like, I'm, I'm providing content. Uh, like hopefully you enjoy it. Hopefully you want to support it. Um, but, uh, but you know, like, like don't, don't pay, don't pay me to be your friend because I don't, that's not what we're trying to do here. But at the same time, I have, you know, uh, a community that, that I've built. Um, and, um, and, you know, like recently we, uh, we experienced like some pretty heavy loss in that community and it was, um, you know, it, it was, uh, it was an amazing thing to, to see so many people come together to support each other and to see how much that, um, that it had impacted everyone. Uh, and it, it definitely like, uh, it, it was sort of like difficult to understand, like where the line is in terms of like how mu- how much of this like this is clearly such a, a a a great thing for so many people um and like how how does that work and i know that even you know people uh who you know who who like were family members of uh the person that we lost were were kind of like confused by it but also seemed to be like you know this is this even though it's confusing it's amazing that that um, that so many people were so touched and that, uh, there was such a, a community behind, uh, this, uh, this person. Um, and I don't know, it's, it was very, it was that, that whole situation was obviously, uh, it was very difficult. And, um, it, it just, it, it, I think it was the first time that I really felt like, like, wow, there's, there's really something here, um, beyond just, you know, a, a you know, content. Yeah. Yeah. And I am sorry for your loss. And I, and I saw that and I saw the, and the loss for your community. And I saw like the wonderful outpouring of love. And I think it speaks to exactly what you're saying, which is like, I understand the fear and the weariness of like feeling like it's exploitative, but I feel like people wouldn't continue to to participate in it if it weren't providing benefits. And I do think like the research shows like 
it is like social belonging and these benefits and like they are real relationships. And even mm. though I said like the parasocial relationships, so maybe to you who's sort of, you know, like the, the target that people are sort of gathering around, people know that it's parasocial, but it's still real and it still feels real. And also the relationships that the community members make with one another. And that also you make with them because you do interact with them. It's not like it's like purely parasocial because you do talk mm. to them too. It's very real and I think it's very powerful. And I think we're in uh, an age of social media that like this is all new to us where and and I think it's a difference as well between like a celebrity, you know, like Chrissy Teigen or something versus you who has like a smaller, very involved community where it's amazing because you can rally around each other and it is tangible and like you can provide tangible, meaningful support to one another in a way that, you know, if you were some figurehead out on, on, a, on like in your ivory tower, you wouldn't get that same thing. So it is such an interesting trade off, I guess, where you're, you're concerned about, I guess, taking advantage of, of people while also acknowledging that like you got some benefit out of it too. Like mm-hmm. I'm assuming, you know, otherwise it's like, why would you keep doing it? I mean, it's not just for the money. You could go find a different way to make money. You know, it's like, it's something about it is appealing to you as well. And I'm willing to bet that it's like, it's the community and it's the feeling of connection that you foster among people that you probably would not have met. And you're meeting so many different people. And um, I think it's like, it's really powerful. And we do talk about the downsides of it a lot, I think. And, and maybe we can also talk about the positives because we live in a different time now where we have the opportunity to connect with people across the world. And that's not something that at any other point in history we could do so easily. And I think it's very important that we also take time to acknowledge like how fortunate we are and how like the benefits that that might provide. Well, of course, you know, taking care of yourself and not burning out and feeling like you always have to be this like public person. But it's, mm-hmm. it is such an interesting um, situation that I feel like not many people are in or and probably not many people think about, honestly, as like conscientiously as you clearly do. So I think that it's no surprise to me that like people in your community are lovely because you're you're simply not taking advantage of them like it's really wonderful thank you um yeah i mean it's it's uh it's really it's it's really very interesting um when you talked about the like even just sort of consuming content can give you that sense of belonging like i've always said that i was like raised by television um mm-hmm. because that's but i've never like i've always said it in a like a, like because i'm weird kind of way um so it's interesting to hear that like there's actual sort of like uh, knowledge on on something like that because it, it definitely was that for me um you know it it provided things for me that i couldn't get in my real life um and yeah. uh and 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 it's definitely a large part of why I'm so interested in, you know, media of all kinds. Yeah. Yeah. Don't worry. You're not weird. Like everybody <laughs> does it. And yeah, there's real research on it and it's like a legitimate way. And I found it really freeing when I learned that too, especially because during the pandemic, you know, it's like, I mean, we're still in the pandemic, mm. but we're during sort of stricter quarantine. I was spending so much time watching TV and movies and things like that. And like, I think your initial instinct is to feel guilty about it and to feel like oh, I'm being so unproductive or I'm just laying around. I'm like just consuming. 
And I think it's freeing to people and, and vindicating when they learn that actually these things provide real value, such as belonging needs. And um, you're doing it because it helps you not feel lonely. And like, it doesn't make you sad or pathetic as in like, oh, you're lonely and that's pathetic. Like we all have the need to belong and we can fill it with a multitude of strategies. And actually, in fact, that's a very like adaptive and clever thing that we do, because if we only had like one way to not feel lonely and say that was like, you could only fill this with a romantic partner or like Mm -hmm. with your best friend. If you didn't have multiple strategies, imagine how, inefficient that would be you would you would feel lonely a lot because you if you couldn't access that person you wouldn't be able to so actually the fact that we as humans have like broadened our strategies of belonging to include things like media um is incredibly smart and um intuitive and helps protect us against loneliness which like loneliness and social isolation have real physical, physiological um, impacts on our body um, as well. So it's not just mental health, but it's also physiological. So I think it's great because we can all be a bit kinder to ourselves when we're next time we're watching TV and you're like 57 episodes deep in Gilmore Girls <laughs> and you're like, you know what? It's it's fun to feel like you're a part of this community and to feel like you're hanging out with your friends. It's like me and my me and my friends on my podcast <laughs> listening to my friends and you're like laughing along with them. Like it's it's we don't have to feel like we're dorky or weird or sad or lonely. We're just like fulfilling our need to belong in a different way. Yeah, I I honestly I can't even express to you uh like the, like uh I feel like you have like reinvigorated my uh passion for for learning about these things. Um Good. because it it reminds me of like how 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 super interesting it is to and cuz this is what I was always interested in like taking taking something, something that you just you do or you take for granted um and and learning more about it, like learning about like the the functions of it and the different ways that it can interact. And like there's such there's so much value in, in approaching something scientifically and, um, you know, sort of like discovering more about it. It's just uh, it's really it's really interesting stuff. And uh, I really I want to look into this more. <laughs> Next thing we know, Taryn's going to be getting a Ph.D. In, I mean, really, people get Ph.D. in like media studies and it's very mm. related to social psychology. So if you ever want to chat about it, let me know. But it's it's um, it is cool. I mean, it's I feel like it's also typical um, like robot esque thing. And I'm saying this as a person who can also be a robot to be like, let me take this thing that's fun and overanalyze it to death. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, I know I definitely do that. But like if you're the right type of person, it also the overanalyzing is kind of fun. And like I always I joke that like I think it's so cool that my job is to just like sit around and think of ideas now and be like, what if this thing? And then I can like, that can be my research project, like feels fake, but okay. Yeah. And, and I just like, uh, for me, it's, it's like the more, the more you analyze things, you know, the, the better they become because like, I don't know, there's so much shame in the world. And the more you look at it and you examine it and you put it out, pull it out into the light, like, the more uh, most of the time that you can be like, this is okay. Here's exactly what it is. And discovering like the, the actual mechanisms of, um, of how things function is, is so fascinating. So, yeah, I I feel like I can definitely see your brain working in that kind of research (laughs) puzzly way. Um, Yeah, I could definitely see it. Dr. Armstrong. Oh boy. All right. 
well, th- thank you so much for doing this with me. This was amazing. Yeah, thanks for having me. Like I said, I was I was honored that you reached out and so happy to talk to you more one-on-one. Yes, uh, of course. Um, I mean, as usual, I feel like this often happens, but I I, I feel like that we just have so much in common. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Shocker. Again, very self-selecting group. But yeah. I love it. Yeah, we have a lot in common. I'm I'm really happy we got to talk about this stuff. All right. Well, um, if, if people want to see you occasionally post uh, photos of yourself or other <laughs> other things, uh, where can they find you? Let's see if I can remember all my things. So Twitter, which is probably what I use most. I'm Gabby Pascuzzi. And then Instagram and Twitch. So the video and photo platforms. I'm Gab Scuzzi. So just the shortened version of that. And yeah, hopefully I can make some parasocial relationships with some new people. But (laughs) thanks so much for having me, Taryn. Yes, thank you. And there you go. That was Gabby, thank you again for listening. I hope you enjoyed that conversation as much as I did. Uh, the Terran Show will be uh, wrapping up this season two pretty soon here. Um, we will probably have about one more interview for you before uh, we take a little bit of a, a yatsus, uh and uh, and then we'll, I'm sure, come back again at some point for season three of the Terran Show. But uh, for now, we're going to start to uh, start to close things out. Uh, we've got uh, we're deep into the Big Brother season, and we've got another one coming up soon. So, um, I thank you all so much for uh, for checking these out. I had so much fun talking with all of these people, and I can't wait to uh, to get some more of these in sometime in the future. I will, of course, let everyone know when uh, when it's going to come back. But uh, for now, thank you so much again for uh, for listening, and I will see you next time. It's the Terran Show. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChumbaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.